Welcome back to the No Ent Here podcast, the official and only podcast of the DumpsteadAdventures.com website. I'm very excited that we are official and the only one. Yes, the only one would be good. And uh, I guess we should address that with the fact that, yay, we're actually, you know, you can actually listen to the podcast somewhere other than our webpage, which is kind of nice. Yes, we just got actually, as of recording this, we got approved by iTunes two hours ago, an hour ago. 16 hours ago. Not that I was like looking oh. at the email every 15 minutes. <laughs> I was sleeping then. Yeah, well, you know, you uh, millennials, you do nothing but sleep. And Should we tell them their homework now or wait till the end of the podcast? Ooh, now. For sure now. Now? Okay. Uh, we have uh, homework for all of the one people listening. That would be my son who I forced to listen to it in the car the other day. Perfect. We are going to be reviewing maybe the greatest movie ever created. With the Dungeons and Dragons name, Dungeons and Dragons from 2000 with Jeremy Irons. The single greatest movie going experience. It makes me think that he possibly was going through a divorce and his wife was just taking for everything and he did a money grab because. Well, no, I, I, I think he needed to pay for a castle. He has a castle. That's a mm. lot of expense. Maybe he already had the castle and was just like, I should do this movie because I have a castle. I don't know. Let me look that up. I'm curious now. If he did this out of, like, a passion project, maybe he's a hidden Dungeons & Dragons player? I doubt it, but okay. Well, actually, I did hear him uh, do a talk with some other podcast. I can't remember the name, but he was talking about how much he loved playing in a castle. Not playing a game in a castle, just living in a, in a castle. castle. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm pretty sure I need a castle in my I'm life. I'm wondering if it's drafty. Don't you always hear about castles being drafty? I did think he said that was a problem. He only <laughs> went there in the summer. Uh, no, he had a divorce in 1969, and then he got married again in 1978. So I don't think he it was like a money grab, because he was getting divorced at that time. Unless, 31 years later, things were getting tight. Well, you know, he's had a pretty good career. I mean, his 31-year-old kids from 1969. Other than Dungeons & Dragons, what's his biggest movie? Aragon. Oh, God. <laughs> Not that he'd ever listen to this, but if he did, he's probably going to like comment and be like please go fuck yourself <laughs> Aragon was so good uh but other than that i mean kingdom of heaven he was in he was very good in there yeah he was let's see he was also in i'm looking at his thing oh he was in the man in the iron mask not that good <laughs> please he's gonna have been in something better yes uh he is known for oh no he was in that one movie with the mission in 1986 uh yes that was his big movie yes that was very good oh he also played scar in the lion king oh that's pretty cool uh and he was simon gruber in die hard with vengeance oh yeah that's right i love that hans gruber's brother yeah yeah i by rick alan rickman alan rickman i love alan too bad he's dead i really like jeremy irons but i will say he doesn't have the best track record when it comes to quality (laughs) films no he does not dungeons and dragons i remember watching when i was a like a preteen um (sighs) go fuck yourself and thinking it was the greatest thing ever (laughs) of course six years later when the movie aragon came out and I watched that thinking this was the worst thing ever. So that was a quick change in my my opinion yeah. of, of those that awesome genre. fantasy movies. <laughs> anyway, so is that our homework that yes. we have to watch the movie? Yes, we actually do have to watch it before we can critique it. Well, watch it again, but it's been probably 20 years since I watched it. Oh, you're missing. How could it be 20 years? It only came Fif- out 19 years ago. 15 years? That'll work. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm extremely excited to uh, watch Dungeons and Dragons again and potentially force my wife to watch it as well with me. She loves you a lot, right? Because she'll probably love you a little less. <laughs> she better love me a lot. Okay, good. You would hope. I don't know. Are you going to force your children or your wife to watch it? With you? No, it's because I love them. So I'm not going to make them watch that. I don't also feel like listening to my 13-year-old daughter be like, what? Why? I... She, no, uh, the uh, other main villain has some awesome face paint. She might be inspired. Oh, that's true. Because she, she likes makeup. makeup stuff. Creepy makeup. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. No. Should we include our Instagram in the show notes? Sure, why not? Sweet. Ah, our first sponsor. There we go. Yeah. She's not even paying us. Nope. Well, you enjoy all that extra view. <laughs> yeah. So we're not quite sure when we're going to do that. Review. Oh, we do. Oh, we do. Okay. Okay, go ahead, boss. Yeah. <laughs> so this episode will be going out on the 14th of February, so then the movie review will go out on the 28th for Dungeons & Dragons. Sweet. Yep. Yep.
is the proper table that it comes to your phone? I have my opinions. Do you have your opinions? I have my iPad because I use D&D Beyond, which, you know, another free plug. I, someone's got to plug us for free. Anyways, ooh, that could be taken the wrong way. Personally, if I were you, I'd have a box and make everybody put their phone in it in the beginning of the session, like when you go to school or something. But I think it's okay to look stuff up. I use, I tried the spell cards. And your wife uses them at the table, and she kind of has them all laid out on what she wants to do in the order, and that's awesome. I usually use more of a reference on my phone to look up spells in case I'm curious as to like the length of duration or stuff like that, which I get. But I don't think that playing um, whatever Marvel game is out or just scrolling through your Instagram... If you can't pull yourself away from Instagram, from Instagram for four hours, you should find some help. So, I don't know. Um, I don't have a problem with it, but come on. You know, we're at the table to play, not to goof around your phone. So, mm-hmm. um, now, that being said, I also probably should have my phone taken away because now that we're on Twitter, I'm scrolling through Twitter, like, why is it not anything to us? But, yeah, don't fuck around with your phone. Come on. It's four hours. You're at the table for a reason. So those are my thoughts. What are yours? I know that there are GMs out there that are very strict about phones, like no phones at the table and stuff. But I, it doesn't really bother me so long as you're still paying attention to what's going on. What what bothers me is like during combat, it's like, oh, I didn't know it was my turn. It's like, well, initiative doesn't change. This person always goes before you. Yeah, no, that's true. This person always goes before him, you know. If there's if you're in like a boss fight and like they do one of their little legendary actions, it's like five seconds. Oh, I hit you. You died. <laughs> Next turn. <laughs> That's your subtle way of saying uh, you pissed me off, so I'm killing yeah. you. And part of that is you should be watching how combat's going, not just for you. I mean, combat isn't just about your character, but the party as a whole. And your plan should be evolving to go along with what's going on in combat. You should be thinking, oh, if the monster uh, goes this way, then I'm going to cast this spell. Oh, no, the monster went that way. All right. So now I got to revamp what I'm going on. And I can understand where it's like, oh, I'll just tune it out until it's my turn, and then I'll know what's going on. But I don't think that's the right way that you should be looking at combat, which is, I will figure out what I'm doing on my turn because then everyone's moved. Everything's going. No, and that's true. I mean, we... And that's annoying as fuck. I'll be honest with you. Because the people, I think, that are on their phones have have blinders on they're just like okay we're going to battle i'm doing this and i'm just going to keep doing this i don't care what else is going around this is what i'm doing they have a very narrow view of what they're going to do and if they were paying attention they may adjust more i'm not saying that they don't adjust but they may adjust accordingly i guess Mm -hmm. would be the way instead of just being like well i'm just going to hit shit i'm going to run forward and hit things we usually have plans set up and i think a lot of parties do you have you know your initial plan which always just falls to crap immediately and then some people just fall back on the well i'm a fighter i'm just going to run and hit crap versus someone that that's metagaming to the hilt which again there's nothing wrong with that why do you keep saying that? <clears throat> because People, the second you say metagaming, people are like, oh, you hate it. That, that's not true. You know, I get people looking on their phones and scrolling through stuff to being like, oh, if I do this, I can do this in this order, and then I can do that, and then I can do this. And that's fine. I got no issue with that. They are actually actively paying attention to the game, trying to help us not die, mm-hmm. versus playing Farmville. Wow, I just dated myself there. Does anybody actually play Farmville anymore? I don't think so. Is uh, it? I used to, and then I realized once I got to like level 21, I was wasting my time. <laughs> so then I switched over to um, Stardew Valley. Oh, God, Stardew Valley. I love Stardew Valley. So I think, I don't think you should take away electronics from the table, but I would understand why as a GM you would. I understand why it's frustrating. Because um, it's frustrating as a player to be seeing someone just not paying attention. You kind of want to slap the phone out of their hand. I guess as a GM, too, it would be frustrating because when you're describing what we see in a room or the landscape in front of us, you do a really good job of giving a pretty in-depth description of what's going on. And I appreciate it because yeah, sometimes that actually is important to what's going to happen. And you want to know what's there. Um, and, you know, you see a lot of other uh, GMs do the same thing if you watch or listen to streams of people playing games which that's a topic for another time they put effort into it and it would frustrate me if i were you to be like what are you doing i'm trying to help you out here i'm trying to enhance the game i actively try and listen because uh, you're putting effort into it 
I don't understand how it doesn't frustrate. I accept that this is what digital life is. People like their phones. People like it's. It can be boring for people just watching other people play the game while they're waiting for it to come up. I understand that. And so whenever we're like switching from person to person in the initiative order, I try to re-describe the situation to them uh, as often as I can. All right, it is now your turn, Jimmy. All right, so what's going on, Jimmy? Is Bob over there is harrying the big bad, and then you got two coming down on you. What do you want to do? Or something like that. Yeah. You can try and do things like that to kind of help keep things moving to give them a better idea what's going on and really that's a kind of a good idea for anyone even if they are paying attention to the combat just to remind them hey you got you got these two people coming over here that one over there is getting taken care of and then the one over there looks to be perfect uh it looks like he's about to cast another spell at you or something like that you know yeah give them you know something to work with beyond just all right here's your minis on the board yeah no and that's I, i think that's a big change in how the game's played as the gm that's a responsibility you now have versus Back in the day, you just had the minis on the board, and you gave some basic, you know, description, but it was a lot more cast spells and hit stuff. There wasn't as much going on. Granted, we were 13, 14 years old doing it, so, you know, our role play was a little goofier, and it wasn't as much. But interesting thought popped into my head where we're talking about this. Do you think any of the issue of people not paying attention could possibly tie into your latest post, which has to do with originality in the game? And people are just like, oh, I know what this is. So, you know, I've heard this a million times or I I know what he's going to say because it's there, there is no originality in the game, which would frustrate the hell out of me again if I were you being like, hey, fuck you. Yeah, there's no original ideas yet, but I'm putting my own spin on it. So pay the fuck attention. I'm not quite sure how you jump from phones at the table to originality in a campaign storyline. Paying attention. Paying attention. I was No shit. Um, at least you weren't looking at your phone. No, I was looking at the DMG and looking at the different types of actions that you can do instead of just attacking things. And there's some really interesting ones. Like, you can climb onto a bigger creature. You can disarm a creature. So there is that kind yeah. of targeting in there is D&D targeting. when uh, you can mark a creature. You can overrun a creature. Wait, if you mark a creature, what does that mean? Uh, you lift your leg up. And- <sighs> no, uh, so this option makes it easier for melee combatants to harry each other with opportunity attacks. Really? When a creature makes a melee attack, it can also mark its target. If the marked creature tries to uh, incur an opportunity attack, you have advantage on the attack. Hmm. You know, and I've always thought that they're, those are an underutilized portion of the game. I mean, if you're... I get it. If you're the frontline person and your job is to hit stuff, you hit stuff, mm-hmm. you know? But if you're the second or third option and you're not going to... Your out damage output isn't going to be great, why not grapple them? Why not restrain and restrain them? It's only going to make it easier for your frontliner, your number one, to hit it again. Or It just seems like an underutilized part of the game. Ooh, or you could tumble through an opponent's square. A creature can try to tum- tumble through a hostile creature's space, ducking and weaving past the... Hmm. So if you tumble, it, would there be a chance of you hitting him and knocking him prone? No. No, basically you're just trying to move through his square. Uh... I do, or I have a house rule that you can move through an opponent's square. It just takes double your movement as right. you're like trying to move past them. Mm-hmm. And that moving through an ally square doesn't cost extra movement. Right. But in fact, uh, rules are moving through an ally square takes double movement, and then you cannot move through an enemy squares. Which would make sense. I mean, I, yeah. I, I could see if you were trying to move through an enemy square, get an attack of opportunity. Yeah, and there's a couple of house rules that I'm thinking uh, for the next campaign of just doing away with, and okay. that movement might be fantastic. Just so I can utilize some of the DMG stuff, just to, you know, make people like, oh, it's more realistic, realism. We're following the rules. Let's be real. Oh, following the rules. Yes, that's yeah. That's the main thing. Thinking back, it seems like I get, I sound like I'm frustrated myself and for you on a lot of the stuff that happens, and I'm not. It's, You're just grumpy. Yeah, I'm a grumpy old man. It's better than being a grumpy young man, which is what you are. But I appreciate this about myself. <laughs> yeah. I've come to grips at it at an early age. So I'm not. I enjoy sitting at the table. Things frustrate frustrate me while we're playing, but that doesn't mean I'm frustrated with the game. Does that make sense? I mean, yes. So that means no. No, it, it makes sense that you can be frustrated with things that can happen in the game, necessarily frustrated with the game. I mean, there are certain situations through life where you're just like, ah, it's really frustrating, but it's it's not that a deal at the end of the day. Yeah. We're all having fun still. We're all telling stories together. We're all having friends, I guess. Yes. 
making friendship stronger something something <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know speaking of uh how long it takes to make friends i'm gonna try and sound as smart as i can uh it takes about 50 hours of time with someone before you consider them a casual friend 90 hours before you become real friends and about 200 hours to become close friends i would say that we are probably pushing the close friends dynamic at the table i'd say the threshold has been crossed i helped you move i think i think once you help a person move You've gone from casual friends to actual. You know what I mean? That's why I'm not helping you. Yeah, I'm never moving. I'm just going to, if we need to move, I'm just going to set my house on fire and collect insurance and walk away. The thought of moving. Oh, God. The last podcast, or last, in the last episode, in the first episode of the podcast, (laughs) I uh, talked about how I preferred being a jam and how being a player sucks. And I thought I could go in a little bit more detail into that but i thought first i could ask why chris who was always a gm now prefers being a player i don't like having to deal with all the rules uh-huh so I, you make me do deal with them all. yes exactly now and i think we touched upon this last time um i don't want that responsibility mm-hmm. I, I just i don't i go to have fun and i think that being a GM these days would be stressful. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I, I'm still learning the new rules. I mean, you've been playing with me long enough. I still don't know all the rules, and half the time I'm translating what I'm supposed to be doing back into AD&D rules, which makes no damn sense. Yeah, I mean, you get really excited when you hit a zero to hit, and you're like, ah, I hit it, right? It's like, mm, no. <laughs> Wrong so, way, Chris. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were having that conversation today. Armor class zero? Is that good? Yes. Then why is a plus one mean it goes down? Shouldn't it be a negative one? I'm like, yes. Yeah, see the things we had to deal with back in the day. But no, I I'd rather. I, and I like having goofy fun with my characters. I mean, now it's. I mean, Tiny went to the dark side, which was fucking awesome. <laughs> Tiny is this shield guardian that apparently has some sort of semblance personality. To- he does and you allowed me to play the alter ego of my current character which is kind of a pious pain in the ass clerk. So, and I think we've touched on it before it allows me to play almost two different types of characters. I like that. I like goofing around and having fun and at the same time getting to hit stuff. I think it's great. So, once I was able to get comfortable with the role playing portion of it and I don't do voices for my character. I definitely do voices for Tiny. I really got into it, and I think that's fun and exciting versus being a GM where there's all these different things going on, and you're trying to balance everything, and I can't remember my name half the time, and yet I'm supposed to remember everything that's going on. Yeah, it doesn't interest me at all. Not in the least. Backstory was something we never did before, which now adds a whole new element. First character, I didn't have much of a backstory. This one, I've developed a little bit more of a backstory. You know, and I think that's fun. You're getting to write about who you were and helps who you will become. Now, I'm not writing a novel. I know that some people get really in-depth. I don't want to do that. But I think that's a cool aspect of the game that is something I never experienced before. So there's a lot of there's a, to me, there's a lot of fun things that you get to do as a player versus as a GM where it seems like it's a lot of, and you touched on it before, homework. Oh my Why did you hate being a player? I, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Were you on your phone not paying attention? Maybe no, you should I just, I, I wanted to know, like, hey, we don't have time to go through the store. Let's, let's keep going to the DOS. It's like, I don't know. I, I, I want to know, like, where all the traps are. Like, I don't want to be surprised. I don't like surprises. So if I'm the GM, though, I know it all. <laughs> And then I get to be the, like, surprises people. And it works through the... Like, being a player, it, it was fine and all, but I was one person. It wasn't always my turn. I had to wait for other people. I mean, this is very selfish reasons why <laughs> yeah. for being a GM over a player. So, should we not call you an arbiter anymore? Should we just say you're omnipotent? You you're, you wanted to be Q from Star Trek. I don't have that reference. Oh, God. Next Generation Star Trek? Never Jean- watched Star Trek. Jean-Luc. Picard. I do know Jean Picard. The best captain of the Enterprise ever. I'm going to disagree, but only so that you'll fight me. No, they all have their merits, but I'm I. Oh. Wait, which one's the one that fucked all the alien ladies? William Shatner. Yes, he was the best one. Uh, Chris Pine isn't bad in the movies, but I, I can't. I don't even, know who Chris Pine is. I can't even put into words how disappointed I am in you right now. I, I can't. You've never watched any of the Star Treks. 
I think I saw a movie where there was a st- space station they had to blow up with John Luke Picard in it, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if I can recover from this today. I was more of a Stargate person. Even then, I didn't watch that much Stargate. I watched a fair amount. Of, then it just got weird. I stopped watching it. The movie was great. Yeah, because Star Trek never got weird. Yeah, but it was okay that way. Anyways, Q is an omnipotent force in Star Trek that just basically knew everything about everything and can do whatever the hell you want. Yes, that's me. All right, I'm going to call you Q from now on. That's fine. Okay. It's better than Steven. Yeah, that works for me. But... To continue on with uh, that, I like being a GM because I enjoy power. One would call it power. Another one would be would call it you know power. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoy where I am at the table. I guess you know I I'm the one that people go to to ask things about. I can decide things. If there's something I don't like, then I can adjust as needed in the game, so long as it works with game balance like that. Right or I can implement house rules to better fit the fun of the table. Things like that. It's I enjoy power, but not in the sense of unlimited power. I'm not Senator Palpatine cackling to himself in episode three where he's screaming, Unlimited power! (laughs) I'm more excited that I can adjust things to make the fun at the table even better. Also, I want to know what's behind all the doors without True. actually having to go through all the doors and getting hit by all the traps, because then I just die. I, I, I was always the character that, like, ah, I don't care if there's a trap. This is like, oh, crap, I got hit by a trap. <laughs> Who would do this? <laughs> oh, wait, the evil GM. I want to be there. Yeah. The, yeah, no, I can see that. I do have to say, though, it does suck that every week I have to come up with new characters because you guys keep killing me. Well, that's your own fault. Just make them so OP that we all die. Well, I did. It's called the big bad evil guy at the end of the campaign. Mm. But it takes a while to get to him. Yeah. I'm a little sad that my character can't run away from battle because, you know, there's a certain point where if I know we're going to lose, I'm going to turn to a couple of guys and be like, just run. Just someone's got to live. It's it's okay. (laughs) Yes. Shield Guardian, yes. live on without me. No. No? Oh, no. Shield Guardian also, also has to die with you? Yeah, well, you do realize there's going to be a lot of monologuing trying to get him to come back to the light, because he did slip over to the dark side. So, I'm pretty sure your wife, who's the reason that he went to the dark side, love you in, is have a really long speech. I'm fairly sure that I will, and I'll tell you what. If I've asked the rest of the party to give us an honest chance, and if someone doesn't and just goes to hit them, I'm going to hit them back. I have a lot invested in Tiny. I cannot wait. It's going to be such a clusterfuck. Uh, you know, I don't think the big bad evil guy, and there's two of them basically, are going to even bother attacking us for a while because they're just going to sit back and be like, what? What? You're here to fight us? No, this is just free entertainment for us. We're going to watch this <laughs> for a little while. It could get stupid. And then again, a lot of times it does because as we've said before players do dumb shit all the time they're getting back totally cutting all that out okay to go along with knowing where everything is in like a dungeon or something it's also coming up with the story i i was never one that was interested in people telling me the story i was more of the one interested in telling people a story or uh giving people my ideas shoving it down their throat yeah and that i guess that's that's an interesting point i like being told a story interacting with the story i think i like having not having to come up with a story but getting to play within the story you know i think that's fun now coming up with a story is a lot i I, and i guess that's the thing you know we talked about it last time you went from being the guy that wrote just so much stuff down to being like oh wait i just need to do bullet points which is smart i think that i would be the guy that wrote everything down and i that would drive me insane. I'd rather have somebody else give me the bullet points and be like, oh, here's what I'm going to do. I find that enjoyable. So I guess I'm on the opposite side. I don't, I don't want the power. I want to be the guy that does the dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. It makes you go, oh, God, why? So you're a consumer. Just I, a leech yeah. on society. Perfect. That's fine. No, I keep society going. A leech on my creativity. Chris. I keep things going. Without me, there is no story for you to write. How do you like them? Apples. You're very glad that we're doing D&D at your house. Yeah, that's true. There's no food, by the way, tonight. Fuck you guys. Yeah, sorry. 
I gotta feed my family. I don't have the time to feed everybody. Are everybody's. we not your family? Um, no, not really. You're not as needy as everybody in my house. I do have to clean up after you guys, so. <laughs> I wonder what that's like. Yeah, although, you know what? I have noticed that because when we come to my house, my wife's there, that you guys do a lot better job of cleaning up than we ever did at your house. And your wife was there, too. Sorry. I'm glad this isn't a video because you look very sad. <laughs> um, yeah. So, going back, you're. I didn't really like. I don't like other stories, I guess. Well, side note, I really like Burnt Wigs. Uh, but mm. I don't really like going through other people's ideas for stories or going through like an adventure book. Going with that. Like, I I liked running Curse of Strahd, but at the end of it, I was just like, I don't really want to keep going with whatever this book is telling me to do. And I guess I'll, I used to get out for a little bit longer and then we'll get on to the new stuff. My stuff. Well, let me ask you this then. You're a big fan of Critical Role. You like watching it. You keep up on it. That's someone telling you a story. I don't actually watch it. No, oh, thank God. Because, you know, the guys always talk about, oh, did you watch this and that and that? I don't watch Critical Role. I go on, I watch the, the synopsis that you can find about each thing, but I don't think I've ever sat through, well, I have a couple times, but I don't, I don't, four hours is a long time to be watching something, in my opinion. I'd rather be playing, not watch someone else play. I don't get that, but we'll talk about that later. I mean, people watch four hours sports ball and... No, I don't anymore. I find it incredibly boring. Well, just saying. Yeah. No, it does. But I'd rather... You're too old to not enjoy something. God. <laughs> well, you got, like, what, two more years left? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> that means you're going to have to take care of my children, so... Oh, God, no. So, I enjoy being the storyteller. Okay. As with, like, things like Critical Role and stuff, it's just... It's background noise. I don't really pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Except I really do pay attention to the Glass Game podcast. Because I think really good job plus it's an hour a week i can i can focus for that long on the story for that right but the thing is i don't listen to them for the story i listen to them because they're amusing because they're fun okay. they're exciting so it's it, it's not so much i'm consuming their story i'm consuming their person so it's a live action movie sure well i guess we can go on with the blog that was just released monday uh, well, just released for us Monday, fourth of February, which was about originality and campaigns and mm -hmm. how being original is pretty much a lie we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better at night. Yeah, there, there's a famous quote by an author that talks about that. That basically there's you know, something like five or seven main plot points that every stories that's ever been written are based off of. Oh yeah, like uh, the hero's quest, which is basically uh, a character has a mentor, the mentor dies. The character must then move on past that great evil, which is the basis of so many excellent movies. Yes. Well, like Aragon. Yeah. Wait, book. Aragon the book. Okay. Then I never read the book. Um, I heard. Well, I never read a lot of things. I, you know? Although when I was younger, I did read every single Dragonlance novel. I think better of you. Okay, good. So, there isn't. I mean, <laughs> you were so you were telling me the story the other day, and you were so pissed off. You had written something up. It was the what was it? The gems that you, they people were infusing into their bodies to get you know certain different things, resistances and stuff like that. And you were all ready to go with it, and then Critical Role had something where they had tattoos, and then you know I think your wife was giving you shit like, "Oh, you stole that." You're like, "No, I did this before the episode came out." People come up with good ideas all the time, but somebody else has done that good idea. It's like when we wrote Druid in the Sewers. There, it's not like we had, it's not like no one's ever done a campaign or an adventure in a sewer and or a druid. We just kind of tried to combine them and put our own twist on it. Uh, so would you say that that's what people are trying to do? And I think that's what you said in the article. It's like, yeah, you, it's like cooking. It's like when you when you look at something, you're like, okay, I'm going to follow this recipe, but I'm going to put my own little twist on it. It's not going to ruin the recipe. You're just giving it your own personal flair to see how it works. And a lot of times then we order pizza in my house. So what are your thoughts? Well, obviously you can read my post, which goes more in depth into it. But I think that trying to shoot for originality is a bit ridiculous when probably the only person who has ever had original thought would be Adam. Which is another Mark Twain quote, oh, to be Adam and to be sure that you have all your thoughts are original or something like that. It's a long time ago when I read that one. But I think, wow, <laughs> you're so full of knowledge. I try. Crap, I was going to say something about it. Welcome to my world. <laughs> With ideas in the life, it can be difficult trying to be as 
authentic as possible or as original as possible. You know, when J.K. Rowling originally released Harry Potter, she got sued by so many people because they all had, what, like an 11-year-old wizard that goes off to wizard school and he has a scar on his forehead and he has a pet owl. And it's like, well, like all of these coincidences add up. Yeah, there's probably going to be people all over the place that have the same ideas you do. But for your specific ideas, you know, you make them your own. And now when I say make them your own, that's not really... One might think of that as being original, but it's it's not really because other people could have the same ideas and maybe I just toss them out or just they also wrote a book about a teenage boy going to wizarding school at the same time as you did. And that was like the same thing with the telephone. It got patented at the same time from two different people. It's just yeah, ideas are very interesting. There's definitely a bit of flowing and ebbing when it comes to ideas. And when things get released at the same time, you can definitely look at what's been happening in pop culture that might lead to so many people coming up with the same, quote-unquote, original ideas. Yeah, you notice that happens a lot in movies. Like, there's, like, within six months, two of the same ideas of the same movie, each with their own little twist, come out. Yeah. And no movie studio wants to copy another movie studio when it comes to the same ideas. That's not how you make money. No. Uh, especially when you think yours is so much better than the other one and people see the other one first and it's bad and then oh well why would i want to see something exactly like the same thing i just saw right because there was uh two movies that came back uh came out like back to back like within weekends of each other about the white house getting um, oh yeah white house down and yeah i can't remember the other one i don't think it had a sketchy title yeah one had gerard butler and the other had channing tatum yeah i I think Gerard Butler was White House Down. You see, we can't even tell it apart. No. It's all blurred together. Yeah, it is. Hey, White House Down was Channing. Hello, podcast. Chris has left to go use the restroom. Now I'm stuck here in his house, in his basement, with his dog staring at me. Uh, just now, I'm at the show. Actually, you're the best half of the show. Yes, you, dear listener, sitting there, maybe driving, maybe working, picking your nose. You are the best part of the show. You should totally leave a comment on our website so then Chris feels love. Olympus has fallen. Is the Gerard Butler? That's right. Yeah, I don't remember. Though I think it is the only one that got a sequel. So no, uh, yes, yes, it did. And the sequel was god awful. So going back to originality in campaigns, mm-hmm. I think as long as and I, I, I keep coming back to the analogy of cooking and recipes. You know, you've got all these young guys out there now that are doing all these crazy kind of dishes. None of them are original. Some of them all think their stuff is original. It's not. They're just putting a new twist on something that has been around forever. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you are not egotistical enough to think that your idea is totally brand new and the best, so on and so forth. It's not. Yeah, we draw inspiration from everything around us. Exactly. And normally that inspiration is just other ideas that we think, oh, maybe if we just twist this around, Mm -hmm. it'll be original to us. Yeah, exactly. When all it is is just reflavoring. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. I, 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 I mean, actually, I enjoy reading all the posts on like RPG horror stories where they're talking about, hey, I finally watched Critical Role and my <laughs> DM completely stole their campaign yeah. and had us go through it. It's just like, neat. Or it's like, hey, we finally started reading this one book series and apparently our DM really, really enjoyed the book series so much so that my character... That dies in the book, he forced me to die as well in the <laughs> That's just At that mean. point, that is where I would draw the line as to making it your own. You really, really, like, if you You're were... not down with plagiarism? No, <laughs> I'm not. When it comes time to coming up with your ideas and making it your own, sure, grab inspiration from a book, but don't force your players to play out character deaths. Like, that's no fun. Don't... You're not letting your players play that. No, no, you're railroading. Yeah. Which some people are completely fine with being a railroad game. That's fine. And really, that's why you should have a session zero so you guys can talk about that type of thing and to learn how your table operates. Speaking of how your table operates, as a GM, you should be flexible. And as players, you should be flexible and compromise when it comes to how stories should be. Same with anything. The GM's idea of how a story should be told is not absolute. A player's idea of how the story should be told to them is not absolute. You need to come together and say, what type of campaign do we What type of story do we want to tell? Do we want this to be more railroady cinematic and you guys get to be these awesome heroes that rise up above all? 
are we going to go with something that's a little bit more focused on your actions and things like that? And so that it'll be a little bit more loosey-goosey when it comes to story. Are we just going to make something together? Or do you just want me to like, plan out the entire campaign and then your character's just going through there? We're not going to worry too much about backstory. Like, There's all different types of ways of doing story in the game. And railroading players that don't want to be railroaded, that's a pain in the ass. Yeah, no. And that brings up an interesting point. Players also need to realize that they're, how they are acting within the story has done, been done before. They're not coming up with anything original either. The, in their backstories. Every, I think every player wants to have this original, totally awesome backstory. Guess what? It's been done. Everyone's parents die. We get yeah, it. Exactly. Why is everybody an orphan? They're not all, and not everybody's an orphan. I mean, and that's part of the reason why my backstory is I try and keep it relatively simple. I know. I mean, my backstory, I told you exactly what I based my backstory on because I like the story. Yes, I put my own twist on it. Me? My life? Yes, exactly. It's boring as fuck. No, it's, I'm sorry. Um, but I mean, I, I, there was, it's a character from a movie that I think is awesome. So I, Took it, put my own twist on it, and I went with it. You have watched way too many. I know. I love the movie. I'm not the one with a t-shirt, though, with a quote from the movie. It's Serenity, by the way. I have two. Two Excellent. t-shirts from Firefly and Serenity. Um, I love Mal. I, I really do. So, I mean, the, the when I decided on my character and my class, it kind of fit in with it. It's not perfect. But there's some basis in that character, in my character. Mm. But I'm not copying it. You know, that would be boring because then, you know, just like DM that's trying to railroad a player to be exactly like what he read in a book, there's a potential for me to try and, you know, act out the exact same way that he did for all way too few episodes in the movie. And I don't want to do that. So I put my own twist on it. So I guess it applies on both sides. Originality in the game applies to both uh, the DM and the player. Didn't really think of that. Neither did you in your post, by the way. Well, that's because I don't care about players. Yeah, I know. I'm here for the GMs, the tough, hardworking GMs. They're trying to make experience for their players. Then I care about GMs. Fuck players. Yeah, I love reading stories from GMs about. So I put all this effort in, and I'm I'm trying to be original with my story. And then we get into the session, and the players, it's like, okay, so I set up a storyline where. Yeah, they, you know, they're, they're in a tavern and they're always in a fucking tavern. And, you know, they're, they're talking to like the, 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 the guy that's supposed to give them the quest and they're going on and they have like side quests. And what do my players do? They go over and talk to the hot bartender. It's, <laughs> oh my God. You know, I get it. Players are stupid and I understand why you might hate them, but I don't, well. Is that the difference between railroading and steering them to, in a direction to yeah, be able to... Yeah, there's a big difference between steering. Railroading is, uh, if your player's like, hey, I want to go talk to this one goblin. The goblin runs away. You can't talk to it. He doesn't speak English. Like, right, You speak goblin? No. But the creature with like the dark hood over his head in the alleyway keeps motioning. It's like, well, I don't want to go talk to him. He's in a dark alleyway. I'm probably going to get mugged. I'm going to go find a, a tavern. Uh, you don't see a tavern. Well, I'm going to look for one. <laughs> it's like, uh, you look around for a couple minutes, you don't see a tavern. But you do see the, the guy in the alleyway with the dark hood is motioning <laughs> at you. It's like, that would be railroad. Yeah. Steering would be, I'm going to go talk to the goblin. Yeah, of course. Go over and talk to the goblin. Sam Smorkel. Hey, you know, he Good God. kind of looks up at you, confused as to why you were talking to a lovely goblin as himself. Have a brief conversation with him and... Eventually, your players will feel like they have freedom that they can do anything that they will follow, you're going to say. Because then eventually, they're going to be like, all right, let's go talk to the... I got done what I wanted to do. I was really interested in the goblin. My interest was met with. And now we can continue with the story. It's Players aren't stupid, I I think. No, we are. They don't know where the rest of the story is going. If you are making it obvious and where... If if I described them that there is a figure in the dark alley, then there's a goblin with a... Uh, walking down the street, and they're interested in talking to the goblin first, that's fine. Let them talk to him. Mm-hmm. They'll eventually go back to the dude in the alley. And I would say that part of that problem is because while you're trying to make D&D as realistic as possible, players are used to playing video games, where those quest givers are always in one spot. Yeah, that's true. Now, if you don't like that, you could have the quest giver kind of move down the alley, or maybe even go up to them to talk to them. Try to play it as realistic as possible, mm-hmm. and not 
like shoving your story down their throat, like you know. Oh, I'm gonna go talk to the goblin. That's great. The dude from the alleyway comes over and just starts yelling at you. <laughs> I must save my family. Yeah. Just over and over into your face. So I guess that's an interesting point to bring up. The getting back to originality in camp in stories and campaigns. I guess the the overall gist of it that I'm coming up with is draw inspiration. Utilize the tools that are out there for you, whether it's a book or whether it's... <laughs> oh, my dog is great. Um, yeah, taking the collar off isn't going to do anything because I think she's part pig. You've heard her snort. Um, but, there, you know, there's nothing wrong with reading, drawing inspiration from a book, a movie, a video game, something like that. Steal everything, but make it your own. Perfect. Why didn't you end the blog with that tagline? That's perfect. Um, Stop playing footsie. Well, whatever. You move your feet. The yeah, I like that quote. I mean, uh, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, Stephen. Michael Scott. I couldn't watch it. He made me cringe so much. Well, I'll tell you what. Your post looking at it is super popular in the last few days, which is great. Going off of originality and campaigns, and you were talking about players uh, also using inspiration for something else. I think we should talk about something else. Okay. It's not always about you, you silly players, you. Uh, I think we've touched on that in a blog post, too. Well, I think we should maybe dial in a little bit more. Not every session is about a specific... No, I agree. Oh, oh. There we go. We're done. Now you agree when we're not Whoa, whoa, wait a second. I like how you incorporate a different storyline for each player. Utilizing backstory and or what they've been doing in-game, everybody gets a side quest. Their comeuppance. Exactly. Uh, so that everybody gets a, uh, lack for a, be- a better term, a turn. They get a turn to be the focus. Uh, the problem is when they don't let go of the focus, it has to be on them. It's about me, 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 me. And, and we've talked about, too, you have some of those passive players that allow that. And then you have other people that maybe have silent resentment and then you have people that are arguing all the time with that person and that doesn't help the table how as a dm do you prevent that and or steer it to a person that maybe is a little quieter than you know the louder people at the table well it takes a mixture of recognizing who are the people that are constantly wanting the limelight? And then who are the people that kind of sit in the back, kind of the backseat of the party? And then making sure that you carve out time as backseat player. You don't have to so much worry about the limelight players so much. Because they're going to force their way to the limelight whether you like it or not. Many times you might not like it because you're trying to do someone else's story. And so being aware of what's of the dynamics of your table is the most important thing. Just like being aware of all different types of things at your table. who, who, Whose strengths are what, whose weaknesses are what comes to your table. And now taking those players that are very quiet and forcing them into limelight can take a variety of ways. You can either have a, a sudden event happen in their character's life they need to address. Like, ooh, their parents that were once alive were now eaten by dragons. <laughs> <laughs> and if a player isn't like, oh, we must go save my family, then... Uh, that that that's on them. A, right. a GM can only do so much. Or if your players normally uh, quiet and you want them to get them to open up a little bit more, you can have NPCs that are will only interact with certain basically classes or uh, races, mm-hmm. whatever that quiet person is. If they're playing a I don't know, just drawing someone out of the hat, a human cleric <laughs> of Tempest, you know, just random random cleric, <laughs> you know, like the best cleric and ever we'll say his name is like uther or something stupid like that okay so he's amazing that he's like the most awesome character that you've ever had the privilege of dming uh, the worst but let's say that uh there is an an npc that will only interact with other clerics of tempest he has taken a vow of silence unless he is interacting with those of his same order mm-hmm. hey this is the time for your your quiet Tempest player to, to really shine. Now he gets a little bit of limelight because now he is uh, interacting and he's the only one. Everyone else is like trying to talk to this NPC and Meh. I am only silent except for that of the followers. Right. And so that's one way of kind of forcing him to get into the limelight a little bit. And that's not something that you should do like every 
session or something, you know, they, but it allows them to feel special for a, for a moment. And maybe that's all they need, you know, every, every couple of sessions, they just get a moment where they get to feel special. Or you design a trap that uh, works well with their skill set. Now you don't have to be weary of those wizards because they do all sorts of shit. <laughs> but if, if they're a ranger and no one else is good at survival, have them start tracking things for the world. That, this is, this is a moment for their character to shine. And so you kind of, Adjust your campaign, your, adjust your mechanics and your NPCs so that those quieter players do get a chance to shine. Okay. And I know we touched on this last week about how to get people engaged in the game. I think, you know, in with the different personalities that we have at our table. So I'll ask you a question and be totally honest. Okay. Where do I fall on that spectrum at our table? You're a do, mid. Do, I, I don't want, and I, I mean, honest feedback attention hog you're a teacher whore it's okay thanks um but sometimes it's hard sometimes you know you you just get absorbed in yourself in your character um and no i would say uh only because you're staring at me (laughs) well no feet away from me that's why you're a very considerate player and you are not constantly hogging okay but you also make your voice heard when you need it to be heard. when you feel like hey you know what fuck you guys i I listen to all your silly shit all the time. You're the reason why I got this huge hole blasted in my chest from that one monster. <laughs> We're going to listen to my fucking ideas now. Yeah, that's I, I can specifically remember, and I think that might be why I asked the question, where it was just like, oh, I want to go do this. Oh, well, we have this, this, and this, and this. No, this is important to me. I'm walking away. Feel free to follow me if you want. I'm the motherfucking cleric. But I've decided that this is what's important to me this session, so... Follow me or split in the party. All you motherfuckers back from death (laughs) multiple times. (laughs) You owe me, bitches. (laughs) So, I mean, and and no, I, irregardless of we're sitting across the table, it's not like you give a shit about my feelings anyways. I, you know, I want to know. And, and I think that most players do. If you're being that guy, I think some, you'd want someone to tell you and be like, Hey man, you know, you're kind of taking over. So. Dial it back. And I mean, every table is different with dynamics. And you might have two people that always want light. Or everyone at the table wants limelight. And so you don't have to worry too much. It's, it's right. more of picking and choosing who gets the light for that. For this specific arc or storyline or something like that. But you might also come to a problem where no one at your table wants to take the limelight. Right. And then you're kind of forcing people to get into the limelight. And this can really, especially with new players, be very hard to do. Where you're trying to get them out of their comfort zone. And you can do as many silly voices as you want. Or try to act crazy just to show them, oh, you know, it's fine to be silly. It's fine to be crazy. But at the end of the day, if they're still just... Sometimes it just takes time for people to get their shells. Yeah. No, and isn't... And that's when you have specific occurrences where, like, an NPC will only talk to a certain class or race. And, you know, that, that, that kind of forces them to continue with the story. Kind of forces them, even for just, like, a brief, like, five, ten minutes... Yeah. at the table it kind of someone needs to be in the no and and i agree i mean every party has or at least every party that i've been in has a de facto leader oh no leader. a party leader. party leader someone that makes some of the decisions you know and that's fine if you if no one else is taking the role and you're just like well, we're just wandering around aimlessly then good because the rest of us are just wandering idiots so someone should keep us on track it's when that person is i think there's a difference between being the party leader and being the it's all about me person yeah and kind of going along with that if you are in a if you have a table that is just filled with people that wandering around aimlessly and no one's like taking it kind of taking like the leadership role maybe make your campaigns based off of oh there's this one like commander that's going to help them through this and so while i'm not a huge fan of dmpcs this is a good time to create a dmpc that kind of is more of like the leadership role for the party at least until someone gets more comfortable and then once someone gets more comfortable with like the leadership role you kind of phase out your dmpc hey it's eaten by by a tarasque um and now oh we must get revenge they have killed our commander no and that's i think or it turns out to betray. No, no, you would never do that to us. And we've talked about it before. The responsibility isn't on the GM. The responsibility 
is on the players a lot of times. You're not supposed to guide us through everything. The players have to be responsible for their own enjoyment and to be able to follow their own quest line. You know, you if, <laughs> you can't steer us on everything. Come on, pick it up, do what you think you should be doing and have fun with it. Are you yelling at me or the players? Both. Okay. Um, but our group, we have a, a de facto leader. That's fine. He backs off if we want to do something and steps back a lot of times and be like, okay, that's great. Good. But when push comes to shove, a lot of times we're just like, all right, we're kind of wandering around aimlessly and that person will kind of steer us back in a direction. Now, I know I've done it a couple of times, but that's more for my own selfish reasons because I'm like, like we said before, fuck you. I want to do this. We're doing this. But I don't do it a lot. So... There's a difference between being those two roles, and I lost my train of thought. See? See what happens? There's a difference between being a leader and being an attention hog. It's a fine line, but you need the leader a lot of times. And it also made me think of something else you said earlier. Role playing is an escape from your everyday life. We all go to work, except us, um, although this is kind of like a job, except we're living the dream Go into, let yourself loose a little bit. That's the whole point of role-playing. If you're a quiet person and you start feeling comfortable with these people, be that closeted person that you always wanted to be. Come out of your shell. Have some fun. Use your silly voices. Be animated. Isn't that why we're playing? Isn't that the whole point of role-playing is to get out of yourself for a little bit? I'm here to kill Cobalt and drink I thought you were here all to- out of me. <laughs> thought you were here to kill party members and bask in your own glory. By kobolds, I mean party members. Okay, good. So, you know, you, you you made me think about that where, yes, you have a maybe the quiet person or the, the loud person. But to me, that's the point of role playing, to be someone that you're not, to allow yourself to give yourself the freedom to be a person that you think is kind of cool which is kind of why i'm doing my next post on why chaotic good is the best alignment ever known to mankind because everybody should be chaotic good but if you're playing someone you thought was cool how come one plays as me yeah you're cutting that part out too right um (laughs) for all three people that listen to this we do a series of deep dives and i'm working on a couple right now barbarian the lich the barbarians suck um yes when he says we he means he does all the research and then i take the credit well that's because you do literally everything else so i gotta carry some weight if you have a deep dive you would like to see done give us some feedback always looking for ideas we've done the fireball the wish spell and like i said we're doing the barbarian and the lich now but if you want to see something that you think is an iconic class race spell magic item that's out there Give us the feedback, and I'll take a look at it, and we can do it. He can do it. I can do it. Stephen can edit it. And basically, he can go through and fix all my punctuation and add two or three smart-ass comments insulting me, and then we'll post it, because I'd love to see what people want to hear about. You know, the last few, we start back in original D&D and have worked our way up to all the way up to 5e. The, the Lich right now, the Lich was introduced in the Greyhawk Supplement 1 way back in late 76. And now up in 5e, there's all sorts of goddamn Liches. So it's fun for me to go through and see stuff, and I'd love to get feedback on what people want to see. What about you? Any last famous words? Mm, not really. Um, I think that... When it comes time, just kind of create your camp, get bogged. What is original, what is not. Create something that is something exciting that you want to run. Something exciting that your players want to run and make it your own. Throw a splash of you in. Thank you for joining us on this podcast where we talked about shit. You can follow us on Twitter at stat underscore dump. And our website is dumpstatadventures.com. 